You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast. To help us spread the gospel of Jesus, give us a five-star rating. That'll help others find this podcast. In this podcast, we're diving into the book of Revelations with Lynn Cleland. Somebody say, he's coming. Come on, say it like you mean it. He's coming. Wow. Wow. I I tell you, (laughs) I could just go home. (laughs) I feel like, uh, have I lost anybody yet? We've been through three chapters. Everybody still following? We good? Okay. I feel like all week, uh, and I don't know why, God just does what he does. I feel like God has bothered me a little bit on Moses again. Remember last week I talked to you about Moses at the burning bush and and God says, Moses, take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. We talked about that. Well, this week I was reading scripture in Exodus. I think it's in Exodus 6. And Moses is in a dilemma. God wants him to go to Pharaoh. And Moses says this, and this is the part that I'm going to focus on and lead us right into chapter 4. Moses said, God, the children of Israel is not even listening to me. Why would Pharaoh listen to me? And church, that's what I feel like the world is right now. Nobody's listening. Nobody's listening. And Revelation is about God getting someone's attention. And he's going to make us listen because we haven't been listening. In chapter one, we are told, Christ is telling John, John, I want you to write everything that you see. I want you to write it down. He says, I want you to write the things that thou see, which is him, his deity, what he looks like, the things which are, which we studied last week, chapters two and three, the churches, and the things which shall be hereafter. That's where we are tonight. We're on the things that thou shalt see hereafter. This is the prophetic portion of Revelation. Remember our rules that we have now as we start going through Revelation. We're going to start seeing a lot more symbols now than we have seen. And remember, symbols mean something literal. You have to remember that rule. A lot of the Jews at the time, when they see these symbols that John is mentioning, they've already seen them before. They've seen them in the Old Testament. So they're able to identify immediately with John what they mean. And remember, the the Jews during that time, the Christians, they were being heavily persecuted. So this was a, a, a book of hope in some sense, to the Christians at that time. John was about to tell them, hey, I know things are bad, but just hold on because things are going to get better. Okay? If you would, church, uh, stand to your feet as we read from the Word of God. Our first scripture is 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, verses 13 through 18. Most of us are familiar with this verse, these verses. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. 
For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive, say alive, church, and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Here we go. For the Lord himself, hallelujah, shall descend from heaven with a shout. Yes. With the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. All this is important language. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Father God, I thank you for your word. Father God, your word comforts us, Father, especially in the days that we're living, Father. But Father, I want to emphasize to your church tonight, Father, that you are in control. Father, you are on the throne. Father, nothing that is taking place right now is a surprise to you, Father. You've seen it all already, and Father, I want to thank you tonight for revealing this word in Revelation because it shows us, as your church, Father, what is about to happen. Let's not deceive each other, Father. Let's not let people outside our church lie to us, Father. We know what this word is, Father, and we can be confident as to what your word is and what you're trying to tell us. Father, you told the church because you want the church to be right, and you want the church to take that word, Father, into the world. That's why you told the churches, Father. And Father, I thank you for that. I thank you for your son, Jesus. I thank you for who he is. I thank you for what he's done, Father. I thank you for the death on the cross that he suffered for our sins. I thank you for his blood. I thank you for the power of his blood, Father, and it's in his name I pray. Amen. Please be seated. So this scripture that I just read is what people commonly refer to as the rapture. Now, some will argue the word rapture. They'll say, well, that word's not even in the Bible. I can't find it anywhere. Definitely not in Revelations, not anywhere else. But sometimes the Bible has to be translated. As the Bible was translated down through the years, it lost some of its meaning. And here's what I mean by that. If you have 10 people stand in a row, you tell somebody, the first person, something, just four or five words. By the time it gets to person number 10, it's lost its meaning and it'll probably be completely different than what it was on person number one. The Bible, when it was translated, to some extent, not to an extent to where it loses its authority or loses its meaning, lost some of its validity, if you will, in the translations. The word here that's being used is harpazo, and it's the Greek word in the Greek lexicon dictionary. It means, now listen to this church, it means to seize, to carry off by force, caught up, to snatch out or away, to pluck. Essentially, that's exactly what Jesus is going to do to his church when he comes back. He's going to snatch us out of the world. And I firmly believe from all of my study that the church, the believers, will not experience the wrath that is associated with the tribulation. And I'm going to show some of that tonight. Okay? Yes, hallelujah. Remember the church of Philadelphia in 
chapters 3 and verse 10, he says to them, he will keep them from the hour of temptation which shall come upon the whole world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Okay? And then in 1 Thessalonians, the first chapter in verse 10, it says, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. There's many verses that point to the fact that God will deliver us, the believers, from the wrath that he is about to bring upon the earth. Now, what's important for us is the church because we know the truth. The reason why he told John to go into the seven churches, as I alluded to earlier, and to tell these seven churches, because who better to tell than the church? We are his army. If we know his word, if we know him, we will do as he has instructed us to do and we'll go out and tell those out there. Okay, so that's, that's the purpose of that telling of the seven churches. John, tell these seven churches so they'll know. Right now, I'm telling the church here tonight, telling you so you'll know, so you'll go out and talk to those that are non-believers, that are seeing things in this world and they don't quite understand why they're happening. If we can take them to scripture and show them scripture and show them what God has talked about down through time, they will better understand and they will be more apt to believe in God. Or else they're just going to think, that's just a good book. It's a fairy tale. God's not real. They'll think all that. But if you take them and show them things that happened 400 years ago, 1,000 years ago, we can prove, then they'll be more apt to believe what we believe in. Amen? So let's begin tonight in chapter 4 of Revelation. And I'm going to hit the gas a little bit at times. I think some of these chapters, the reason I'm going to do that is just it, they're self-explanatory. So I'll, I'll go a little faster than I will in some of the other chapters where I'll have to slow down and explain a little more. So right at the beginning of chapter 4, do we have that media? Start chapter 4 in Revelation. John says this, after this, those are two key words. So it begs the question, John, after what? After the churches. John is transitioning now. He's done talking about the church. Now he's saying, after this, after the church age, I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven. Wow. And the first voice which I heard was that it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither and I will show you things which must be hereafter. What did we just read in Thessalonians? The very same thing. I believe, and, and again, church, this is not just haphazardly throwing this information out. I believe through talking with the Lord and studying his scripture, this is a picture of the rapture. This is God taking John. Remember, John so far is down on earth. God is speaking to him. Jesus is speaking to him on earth. Now, all of a sudden, he says, John, come up here. I want you out of there. That is the picture of the rapture with John being taken to heaven. And not only that, once he gets there, from here on in, the church is never mentioned again. 
We will never see the church mentioned from chapter four until we get to the very end of Revelation and Jesus mentions at one time, it's gone. Further proof that I believe the church is now exited the earth. We have been raptured out of this earth. We've been taken to heaven and we'll discuss later on the judgment seat of Christ. We will appear before what, they, what the Bible calls the judgment seat of Christ. Okay, let's read further. A trumpet. Remember in the first chapter what John said his voice sounded like? A trumpet. In Thessalonians, what happens? A trumpet sounds. Okay, trumpet. <clears throat> Verse 2. And immediately I was in the spirit. And behold, a throne was set in heaven. And one sat on the throne. Church, this is it. We get to see a picture of heaven now. If you don't study Revelation, you're not going to get to see any of this. You're going to get to see what heaven looks like, what God is doing, the worship that Carrie was talking about in her praise worship. This is what's happening in heaven. And Carrie alluded to this a little bit. God doesn't get tired of your worship. He does not, don't think that saying, holy, 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 you're worthy, you're worthy. worthy. He, I, he's heard that already. I don't need to say it again. He's tired of hearing that. He does not get tired of your worship. He wants you to worship him. And that's where all the, as I said last week, that's where all your breakthrough comes in. When you worship God, there's where your breakthroughs will happen. There's where your healing, I believe this. This is where your healings will happen. This is where your financial woes will go away. I believe that. You have to believe that, church. When you worship God, he is faithful and he'll do in return what he has said he will do for you. You're doing for him, you're worshiping him. You're believing in him. God will do the same thing in return. He's a just God. He's faithful. Remember at the beginning, he's faithful and true. He will do what he says he's going to do. And he that set was to look upon like a jasper, a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow around the throne in sight like unto an emerald. And round about the throne were, 20, were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders setting, clothed in white raiment. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. Out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion. The second beast was like a calf. And the third beast had a face as a man. And the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts each had each of them six wings about them, and they were full of eyes within. And they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne, and they worship him that liveth forever and ever, and they cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy. Thou art worthy, Lord. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things for thy pleasure. 
and they are and were created. The end of that, I want to make a quick comment. I guess there won't be in too many people there that believe in evolution because here it says that they were created. We were created for God to enjoy. We were created for Him. So let's take a look at some slides here and see where we are in chapter 4. So as we've read already, John was in the Spirit. The jasper and sardine stone. The jasper stone is a, is a white type stone. It, it would remind you of kind of like a diamond, a clear stone. So here I think it has several different meanings. It represents God's purity. It's white. The sardine red represents the blood, the redemption of Jesus for us. And also... In the Old Testament, the high priest wore these stones on their chest, on their breastplates. And the first stone, which is Jasper, represented the first tribe of Israel. There's 12 of them. And the, the last stone would have been the sardine stone. It would have represented the last tribe of Israel. So keep all this in mind, church. What you're going to see happening in heaven is total completeness, total perfection. Everything you see will be total, everything complete, okay? So remember that. And then we see a rainbow around the throne. And that really got to me because it said to me, God never forgets his promises. Isn't that beautiful? God's sitting on a throne. He has a rainbow around him. And it says it's of an emerald collar, which represents the earth, and God said to us, he put that rainbow in the sky. And what did he say, church? I promise I will never flood the earth again. God never forgets his promises. He never forgets his promises. We do. We forget things. Yeah, I, I talk to Melissa about this all the time. A lot of times we do good deeds for others and we'll forget that we did those good. God never forgets those. He never forgets them. And later on, we're going to talk about the prayers. Our prayers, church, and I didn't know this until I did all this studying, our prayers go up to heaven and eventually we're going to see where God takes those prayers. It's a sweet aroma to him and he's going to cast those prayers back down onto the earth. So don't think when you pray, they mean nothing. They mean something and God has them stored and he's going to keep them. And we're going to see where he's going to release them later on in Revelation. Praise the Lord. So the elders that we see mentioned here, it says there's 24 of them. Now, I believe the 24 represents the 12 tribes of Israel. There's a total representation here of the New and Old Testament. Remember, Revelation is complete. There's a representation of 12 tribes of Israel and 12 apostles. Okay, that's what I think. Okay, doesn't mean it's right, but as I study the Bible, that's, that's what I believe it means. So it says they have crowns on their heads. So the Bible tells us when we make it to heaven before the judgment seat of Christ that we're going to receive crowns for the things that we did here in this life. And there'll be different types of crowns. Paul speaks about uh, a crown of righteousness. So there'll be different crowns that we have when we make it to heaven. I just want to make it. I, I don't care if I get a crown or not. I don't. <laughs> I really don't. I just want to see Jesus. I really do. I want to see him really, really bad. I do, church. 
I do. I want to see what he looks like. I want to see that description that John talked about in Revelation. That's what I want to see. I want to see God the Father. The Bible, the, the Revelation says we're going to see God's face. We're going, to see, we're going to get to see God's face. Nobody has ever seen God's face. Isn't that awesome? That should get you really excited. And what I hope it does, this is what it did for me, okay? When I studied this book, it, it made me be a better person because it helps me to realize what's getting ready to come. I don't want to go through that. And it also tells me what I'm about to get ready to see. And that gives me just so much excitement. I just have so much excitement. When it's time to worship God, it's helped me come up here and worship God. I want to worship him. He's done a lot for me. He's done a lot for you. He's done a lot for us, church. And the scripture talks about the seven spirits of God. We talked about that. It's found in Isaiah 11 too. And around the throne, it says there's lightning and thunder, which as we know, that always precedes a storm. When we hear of lightning and thunder in the Bible, it usually represents God's getting ready to speak. So I think that's what's getting ready to happen right here. God's getting ready to speak. This is going to get really good, church. Judgment is about to take place. And it also talks about these four living creatures. If you turn to, you don't have to right now, but if you go to Ezekiel, the first chapter, 5 through 10, the same angelic beings are described in Ezekiel, the very same ones. And I'll explain what I think they mean. <clears throat> Here's another rule, church, I need you to remember. We're talking about the heavenly realm here. We have not seen, other than what we're told here, we have not seen the heavenly realm. So you're going to see things John describing here. Remember, he uses the word like. If he says like, he's trying to just put it on paper as he's writing down. Okay, I see uh, it's like, uh, it's like, remember I talked about that last week. But we're talking about, and then later we're going to talk about demonic beings. We have never seen demonic beings. But John's going to talk about them in Revelation. So when you see these descriptions of what's around the throne, the four beasts, the beast is actually not a good word as it's going to be used later in Revelation. They're actually, it actually means living creatures. That's what the, the word beast here means. They are living creatures. They're around the throne. There's four of them. I, I can't imagine seeing this. And they're, they're for God. They're for his protection. They're for his, not that he needs it, but they're to worship him. And it gives a description about them. I think, as I've studied, it, it can allude to the four Gospels. In Matthew, the faces that are given to these four beings, Jesus is described with the face of man, okay? He's the, the son of man, okay, remember? In Mark, he's described as the lion of Judah. In Luke, the ox, and in, or the calf, and then John, an eagle, and it, it also, I believe, and I, maybe I believe this a little more than that description I just gave, this represents all of God's creation, okay? Think about it. The lion, the wild beast, the ox or the calf, the tamed beast, the eagle, the flying eagle, the air, the birds of the air, and then man, his creation. 
So I, I personally believe, I think that's what these beasts are representing, all of God's creation. But it could be one or the other, and I don't think you would be wrong on either one. Okay, let's move on to chapter five. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written, and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel, probably Michael, a strong angel, proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? Church, from here on in, Jesus is in total control. Not that he isn't right now, but if you'll see in these scriptures, he's standing. He's no longer seated. He is in total control, total authority. God has now handed the title deed to earth in this book over to him. And I'll show you some scriptures which backs that up. Verse three, and no man in heaven, nor in earth, nor under the earth was able to open the book. They couldn't even look thereon to that book. And I wept much. I believe John weeps because he can see what's on that book. That scroll, let me give you a little background on the scroll and it'll be in my slides. The scroll represented a contract. The contract in those days had seals on them. And the seals, each one of the seals represented that somebody had inspected that contract and they had put their seal on it. And no one was able to unloose those seals except for the owner. Praise the Lord. Think about that. Only the owner could unloose the seals that were on the contract. And the contract contained words, as you see in the scripture, on the front and the back. In the front was the details of the contract. On the outside was a summary, if you will, explaining what was taking place on the inside of the contract. Okay, you, everybody follow me? Verse five, and one of the elders said unto me, weep not, behold, oh, here we go. The lion, the tribe of Judah, the root of David hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. This just set me, go, church, go to Daniel. If, if you have your Bibles, go to Daniel. And Meaty, I didn't give this to you. Go to the last chapter, the, uh, the book. It, he's talking about, John's talking about a book here. The 12th chapter. Yeah, I'm trying to find where it is. Daniel talks about a book and God tells him to seal up that book. Okay, verse, I knew it was at the beginning. Thank you, Pastor. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Okay? Many shall run to and fro, knowledge shall be increased. God, what book are you talking about to Daniel? What book are you talking about? Seal up. It's the book of Revelation. 
Everything that Daniel saw in Daniel, he told him to seal it up. It's not time yet, Daniel. Knowledge will increase. People will go to and fro. We'll learn more. We'll learn. Because Daniel started asking God questions. He said, God, what do you mean by all this stuff you're telling me about the children of Israel? And, and God said, Daniel, you're going to go to sleep. You're going to go to the ground. You're, you're going to die. And I'm going to resurrect you at the appointed time. But for right now, that's all I'm going to tell you. He pretty much just told him, I've told you all I'm going to tell you. And he told him to seal the book up. When we get to Revelation, God tells, Jesus tells John to unseal that book and reveal it to us. Our knowledge has increased through the years. We've went to and fro and we've learned more. Now we know what's going on now. You see how good God is? Yes, yes. Verse six, and behold and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb. It had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him who sat upon the throne. So Jesus is coming. He's taking that book from God. Who else? Who else? But Jesus, the lion from the tribe of Judah. And then when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song saying, thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and has redeemed us. These are the twenty and four elders. Remember, church. They've been redeemed. So who would that have to be? It has to be Christians because we're the only ones that have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. Another, uh, another sign, I believe, that shows the church is in heaven. For thou wast slain, has redeemed us to God, and thy blood out of every kindred and every tongue and every people and every nation, and hast made us into our God, kings and priests, which he says in the beginning of Revelation, and we shall reign on earth. When will we reign on earth? During the thousand year millennium. Okay? All right. Talked about most of this. Okay, you have the seven horns. It talks about the seven horns. The seven horn, a horn in the Bible represents power. He has complete seven power. The seven eyes, it already says is seven spirits of God, but it also means that Jesus sees and knows all. He has complete authority, complete power, and he sees and knows everything. Remember, he used that same thing on one of the churches in chapters two and three. I talked about the scroll uh, being written on both sides. This, the scroll, as I said, it represents the title deed to earth. And let's go to Psalms 2 and 8. And let's see what that says. Psalms 2 and 8. Media, if you would, put that one up. Psalms 2 and 8 says, Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost, blah, parts of the earth for thy possession. Up until now, Satan has ruled and reigned on the earth. 
that's over. Now what is rightfully God's, what is rightfully Jesus's is about to be taken back by him. So now he has the title deed in his hand and we're going to see what he's going to do with that title deed. Remember, Satan comes to steal, kill, destroy. He's come to steal the land that is rightfully belonged, the earth that is rightfully belonged to God since the beginning of time. I have here in this bullet, it says that Jesus takes that scroll from God and he's no longer an intercessor now. He's the judge. From this point forward, Jesus is going to be judge of the world. He takes over completely. I mentioned this already, the elders being redeemed by the blood. And then it talks about the angels that were praising God. And John just mentions a number, but he can't even number the amount of angels that are actually there praising the Lord. Can you imagine that scene once we get to heaven? The praise and worship that's going to be taking place in heaven. It will be an incredible scene. Some people always say, I don't even know what I'm going to do when I get to heaven. And what am I going to do? I, don't, you know, I want to go see Susie. You know, that's going to be great. And I hope God arranges all that. But listen, when you see God, on his throne, and when you see Jesus, that'll be enough. That's going to be enough. Praise God. Give, give God a hand clap of praise. Church. And I wrote this bullet in here. It says, don't be afraid to praise God. Start now for the ultimate praise that comes in heaven. Church, if you're having, and I said this before, if you have a hard time praising God, when you get to heaven, you're going to say, what's all these people doing up here? What are they doing? I, I want you to see what's going on. I want you to see these beings that's around his throne. When you get to heaven, you say, oh, yeah, there's those four beasts Flynn was talking about. They're right over there. There's that rainbow. I remember him talking about that rainbow. I want you to know and see and feel all that. I feel that. When I study this, this last book, I feel all of that. I, I, I mentioned to Carrie one time, when Carrie's doing praise and worship, I can see God on his throne. I can see him just like the book is describing right here. I see him. And that's where we should be. Our spirit should be at a point where we feel the presence of God, the Shekinah glory of God coming down. We should feel that. If we know God the way we should know God, you should be able to fear that and feel it in your spirit. Because his spirit is within us. Amen. Amen. Okay, chapter six. Now, judgment begins here. This is the beginning of what is known as the seven years of tribulation. Okay? And I've broken it down to kind of try to make it a little simpler for you. What we're going to have in the judgment is seven seals. And think of this as one book. Okay? Remember, Jesus comes and takes the book, the scroll, out of God's hand, out of his right hand. It has seven seals. So don't think of this as three separate books. It's one book. And within that book, as those seals are broken open, you'll see the seven trumpets. 
And then you're going to see the seven vials or the seven bowls. They're called vials or bowls. And when we get to the seven bowls, the Bible says, and this is the most horrific part. Church, I just want to be real with you here. If you believe when you go to the Old Testament that God imposed plagues upon Egypt and Pharaoh, if you believe that he flooded the earth, if you believe that he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, and I think all of us do, I think all of us sitting here tonight, we do, we do, we believe that, then church, you need to believe that what we're going to read about here in Revelation is going to happen. This is, gonna, this is how God is about to purge the world of sin. Remember I said the very first week, God has been watching for a long time. He's watched sinful man, his creation, for he sees things that we do not see. We see, we see and hear things sometimes on the news and we're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that happened. God sees everything and in between. Amen? So in Revelation 14.10, it talks about the undiluted wrath of God. This won't be watered down. This judgment, this punishment is coming directly from God himself. It's not being passed through anyone. It's coming directly from God. It's the undiluted wrath of God. It's also found in Psalms, the 75th chapter and verse 8. So let's begin reading chapter 6. And I saw when the lamb opened one of the seals. So Jesus rips up one of the seals off. And I heard, as it were the noise of thunder, one of the four, four beasts saying, come and see. So remember the beast around the throne. And I saw and behold a white horse and he that sat on him had a bow and a crown was given to him and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Who is this person on the white horse? Most people, when they see that, they say, that's Jesus. It's not Jesus. That is the Antichrist. And I'll prove that to you. Jesus is on the white horse later in Revelation. When Jesus comes, he comes to establish peace. This guy is coming with smooth talk. He's coming with deceit. He's coming with lies. And notice in this scripture here, and I'll go through these on the slide, He's on a white horse and he has a bow, but where's his arrows? He don't even have any arrows. He's a fraud. The person riding, riding this white horse is a fraud. He looks like Jesus. Hasn't Satan always wanted to be Jesus and God? He's got a white horse. Jesus has a white horse. He's the Antichrist. Jesus is the Christ. He comes to establish peace and he's going to pretend like he's bringing peace and he's going to change his mind on everybody. Okay? So this person on the white horse, and the horse represents a vehicle, if you will. It's not a literal white, it's not a literal horse. The four horses are not literal horses. It means, in the Bible, it means war. Okay? That's what a horse means in the Bible, war. And the horse is the vehicle, if you will, to go forth. 
God's going to release these four horses out onto the earth. Okay? Remember, Jesus is in control of all of this. Verse 3. And when he opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, come and see. And there went out another horse that was red. And power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth. Now, if that was Jesus on the white horse, his peace was short-lived, wasn't it? That's how we know that's not Jesus. Because now, when we read about the second horse, the red horse, he's going to start a war. And power was given to him that sat there on to take peace from the earth, that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. Verse 5, and when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, come and see. And I beheld and lo, a black horse. And he who sat on it had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, I believe that's God's voice because he's in the middle. Remember church, the four beasts surround the throne. A measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny and see that thou not hurt the oil and the wine. I'll explain that a little bit. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast come and see. And I looked and behold a pale horse and his name that sat on it was death and hell followed him. And power was given unto them over the fourth of the earth to kill with the sword and with hunger and with death and with the beast of the earth. Verse nine, and when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. There'll be people killed in the tribulation because they were they're believers. Church, when these events start happening, it's gonna cause people to turn around and repent. They'll be believers. They were non-believers going in but now they're believers because these judgments are taking place. That's a merciful God. That's a merciful God. And I've heard some people say this to me, and I want to show you a verse that disproves that. There's some people that will say, well, I'll just live my life. I'll just party, do what I want to do, get into the tribulation, become a believer. I'll make it anyhow. I'll make it on the second go around. I'll have a second chance. Well, the Bible says that God's going to cause your heart to be hardened. It says he's going to send you a strong delusion to believe what? The lie that the Antichrist is telling. So don't think it's going to be that easy. And besides, if you do go through the tribulation, chances are, if you believe in Jesus during that time, you're going to be killed because it says it right here. Okay. So don't, don't take that as uh, something that you might be thinking about doing, which I don't think anybody is, but verse nine, and when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar, the souls of them that were slain for the word of God, verse 10. And they cried with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, does that now judge and avenge our blood for them that dwell on the earth and white robes were given unto every one of them. And it was said unto them that thou should rest for a little season until their fellow servants, more people that are martyred during the tribulation and their brother, that they should be killed as they were, should be fulfilled. Verse 12, and I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal and lo, there was a great earthquake 
And the sun became black as sackcloth. Anybody heard that language before in Matthew? And the moon became as blood. And the stars of heaven fell, fell into the earth, even as a fig tree casts her untimely figs when she is shaken off with mighty wind. And the heavens departed on a scroll when it was rolled together, when it was rolled together. And every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that setteth on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come. And who shall be able to stand? So as we see in, in chapter six, tribulation begins, the seven years tribulation. And it's going to be separated by three and a half years. And we'll talk about that in the weeks to come. 42 months. First three and a half, the second three and a half will be called what God and Jesus alludes to as the great tribulation. <clears throat> In 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter, it says, right now, church, the Holy Spirit, which is in us, holds back evil. It restrains evil. And God is doing that so, so people, the world can be convicted, okay? But when, when, when Christ comes and raptures his church because the Holy Spirit is in us, the Holy Spirit's gonna be taken out of the world. And Satan's gonna be loosed, so to speak, God's going to give him free will. Think about it, church. No church, no believers, no Holy Spirit, bad situation. Bad situation. And I made a note here. I believe during the seven years of tribulation, there'll be more people that come to the Lord and are saved than in any seven-year spans in history. There'll be more people turned to the Lord. <clears throat> This, this last bullet, I put Democrats or Republicans won't be in control. China or Russians are not going to be in control. King Jesus is going to be in control. We're no longer going to have to worry about the stuff we see on the news anymore. We're going to be in heaven. But what I'm saying is King Jesus is in charge now. There's not going to be people on the earth saying we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Jesus is going to do what he wants to do now. He's in control. And I just have here that, you know, if it, believers, I don't think, I mean, I just know we're not going to go through that. <clears throat> In Isaiah, the 14th chapter, the verses 12 through 14, it tells us that the prophet Isaiah tells us about Satan and what he's always wanted to be, how he's always wanted the authority that God has, how he's always wanted to be the one in control. And that was the reason why God separated him from the heavenly realm to begin with. So now we're going to see Satan coming back and trying to do that same thing again through the tribulation period. And God's going to allow him to some extent, just remember, God's still in control, but God's going to allow him because of man's sinfulness to have more authority and more power on the earth. I want to show you something. These are some of the things we've already went through. Turn to the uh, book of Matthew, the 24th chapter. Jesus gave in that book a mini apocalypse, a mini end time discussion with his apostles. Does everybody remember that, that section of scripture? 
After he had just left the temple and overturned the, the tables, he went and sat on the Mount of Olives, as it says at the beginning of uh, chapter 24. And his disciples ask him three questions, and he answers all three of them. They ask him, when shall these things be? Because Jesus said, you see those stones over there on that temple? They're going to get turned over. They're, they're all going to get knocked down. You know when that happened? 70 AD, destruction of Jerusalem. Fulfilled already. And then they ask him, when shall the end time be and the sign of thy coming? They ask him two more questions. And Jesus begins to tell them a mini apocalypse of the four horses we just wrote about, read about. And here's where they are. Look at verse, starting with verse five in chapter 24. For many shall come in my name saying, I am the Christ, he is the Antichrist, and shall deceive many, the white horse. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Which horse is that, church? The red horse. <clears throat> and see that you're not troubled, for all these things shall, must uh, come, must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Look at verse seven. Nation will rise against nation. Okay? Red horse. Because of the wars, the red horse, there'll be famine. There'll be starvation. And it says that the oil and the wine won't be harmed. Now, for some reason, I think God's going to allow those who are well-to-do during that time period to still be able to obtain the nicer things of life. For what reason? I don't know. Oil and wine could also represent uh, the Old Testament saints during that time. They were referred to by the oil and the wine. So I, I don't know exactly what that means, but I do know there'll be people starving during that time because of the wars taking place. And then the last horse, the, the pale horse, famines. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. The pale horse. Jesus gives them those four horses right there in Matthew 22, a little mini apocalypse. Isn't that something? And then John, when it gets to John, Jesus comes to him, John the beloved, and says, John, I love you so much. Now I want you to expand on all this. And remember what I told you? John didn't write about it in his book. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John did, or Matthew, Mark, and Luke did, but John didn't because he expands on it in the book of Revelation. Everybody following? Isn't that awesome? Now listen, let me say this, and then I'm going to close because I'm up to my time. Seven o'clock. I alluded to uh, shadows, front runners. And I firmly believe this church, what we're seeing in our world today is front runners and shadows of what is talked about in these four horses riding. I believe that. And if you don't believe it, and I'm not, I'm not gonna guess here, I'm just gonna say this because I've studied it really, really deep. A pestilence, what do we have right now, church? A pestilence. Stinky bugs. Yeah, stinky bugs. I believe what we're seeing is what Jesus alluded to as the birth pangs. Remember, he said those were going to take place. And women that's had children, you know what birth pangs are. They start out kind of, oh, that hurt. And then when it gets to the point where the child is to be born, it hurts a lot more. And that's exactly what we're going to start seeing. I believe that. I believe, I believe the Spirit of God has told me that's exactly what we're seeing. 
when things happen in the world, I'm just going to say this. When things are happening, I keep close eye on it because what I do is I run back to that book and I see what God said about it and I see if it matches up. And if it matches, thank you, God. He just validated his word. I want to end right there. I, I wanted to go a little further, but I'm going to end it right there. So next week, uh, we'll finish out chapter six. Oh, no, we did chapter six. We'll start with chapter seven. Does anybody have any questions? Anybody? Come on, you guys. Okay. When do you believe when we are reading? Because there's different readings and different philosophies mm -hmm. as it approaches this. Mm -hmm. I, I know which one you're going to. Mm -hmm. When do you think that's going to occur based upon the signs that you're reading now? The rapture. When will the rapture occur? Nobody knows. Because the Lord told us that. Yes, but what are the signs? The signs that, that, that I'm talking about here, church, are the signs that lead to the tribulation after the Lord has returned to rapture his church. This has nothing to do with the signs for his rapture. That could, there's nothing, hear me on this church, there's nothing standing in the way of the rapture taking place. Nothing. There's, there's no event that has to happen. N nothing. Okay, so the rapture, Jesus said, it'll come as a thief in the night. Okay, we have to be ready. The church has to be ready. Church, you have to be ready. You have, if you have house cleaning that needs to be done, clean your house. Clean your house. I, I, I'm being as honest as I can with you. I feel like George, just to answer a little further, I feel like his return is imminent. It, I mean, it is imminent, but I feel like it's really close because we're seeing enough in the world. Go, this world, there's some crazy stuff going on. I don't care which side of the aisle you're on. If you're left, right, Republican, Democrat, I don't care who you are. There's some crazy stuff going on in this world. And the Lord is going, he will do as he said, he will return. He will take his church, but there's nothing that has to lead up to that happening. After that happened, then I, I think the signs that we're seeing in the world today, George, will actually lead up to the, the start of the tribulation. But we'll be out of here, so. The, 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 reason, the reason I, I mentioned that is because we have a peace treaty that's already in, and, the, and that final seven years will start when the Palestinians will sign that agreement with Israel. Yes, so there, there are some things we'll talk about as we get into that, that section, the three and a half years, three and a half years, what's going to take place during that time. To be honest with you, I don't want to, I, I, I'll talk about it, but I don't want to be here when it happens. I want to, I want out of here. As John Hagee said, I went on the rocket ship. Put me on the rocket ship and get me out of here. Because we're going to, church, these seals that we've seen so far, the seven seals, this is mild. When it gets to God's bowls, his wrath, the vials, it gets really, really bad. It really bad. Anybody else? Okay. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to offer salvation. <clears throat> if you're here tonight, I don't know everybody. I don't know your hearts. I don't know if you've accepted Jesus or not. But church, as I've said earlier, if you're here tonight and you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've not asked him to forgive you of your sins, tonight is the perfect night. Don't walk out tonight, church, 
Visitor, don't walk out tonight without accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He's the only one. Remember what he said? He said, no one comes to the Father but through me. Accepting tonight. Is there anyone tonight that would like to accept Jesus as their personal Lord? Just slip your hand up. And if I see it, I'll pray with you. Just slip your hand in the air. If you've not accepted Jesus as your, as your Lord and Savior, you've not asked him to forgive you of your sins. Anyone? And Father, I just thank you, God, for your word tonight, God. I thank you for the power, Father, associated with your word. I thank you what it's done for me in my life, Father. And I, I pray for the same thing to happen to the ones that are listening to me, Father, that they take this word, Father, and that it makes them better people, Father, that it, it makes us ready, God, that we're ready for you, Father, that we're pure, Father, and, and, and we've accepted your son, God. We've been cleansed by his blood, and we're ready for you, Father. When that trumpet sounds and that shout comes, Father, that you'll take us up to be with you, Father. We can't wait for that to happen, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast.